Welcome to Left Yes. We're here. We're back again. I'm here with my co-host, Anders Lee. How you doing, Anders Lee here? And Rog of Meta. Hey. And we are here with special guest friend of the show, Jack Smith 4. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me. Of Mike.com. He's got a big chain today. Mike Fake Cuban. His chain hangs low. Do you have a story for the chain? Yeah, I do. I just like I remember wanting a Cuban and I did that uh I went into a I went into like a Canal Street to a buy gold sell gold place and I remember thinking like uh I saw something that looked like this like a regular Cuban link chain. I was like how much how much is that? She you see them on so many people it's like 1500. And you ever be in that situation where where uh you go and you're like expecting them to say way less but then you have to p- pretend like that's always what you were intending on doing right i've never yep. pretended but yeah sure. really you've yeah. never but you've you've always been like oh how much are those pants 499.99 and you're like whoa yeah i want them to feel bad for how expensive it is whoa whoa whoa, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> that's funny you just make them feel like class traders i, I want i want to i want my shock i want them to know that my shock is my reaction is genuine yeah yeah, 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 but they, they, I feel like there, there's always they're like psyching, they're like testing to see if you're gonna do that or if you're gonna play it cool, you know. And then when you play it cool, then they get this sense of gratification. Yeah. At least I feel that way when I sell somebody guacamole for eleven dollars. Yeah, no, I, but, I just gave a nod. Yeah. I try, I tried to buy a Cobb salad in Midtown. I know a great this American life story, but uh, tried to buy a Cobb salad and it was twenty two dollars. And I just laughed, and I'm like, "No, thank you." Uh, Once a gypsy tried to give me fifteen dollars for a shirt, and then she stole my boy. (laughs) (laughs) I miss my boy. That's a good deal. (laughs) (laughs) If I might pivot into some some a political discussion, (laughs) Jack, it's not that kind of show. (laughs) (laughs) This is a This is the Price Is Right podcast where we just we riff about prices instead of. so no, but the thing that where you're seeing this the most, and where I'm okay with this, is where places are raising the minimum wage. The oh wage, yeah. So there, there are minimum wage increases like all across the country right now, and everybody's dealing with them in like the most blatantly fucked up, terrible ways ever, um, including, um, just like ad- they advertise. Sorry that your everything costs more. Like they made us pay our workers, and you, they, they're like expecting the customers to be like. Motherfuckers, I'm getting paid more now. Right, which is miserable. But here's, I'm totally. If you're gonna tell me that the worker now makes used to make five fifty in tips and now makes twelve dollars, I'm gonna show up. I'm gonna be like, it's like an abusive parent shaming their kid in front of you and them expecting you to just go along with it. Yeah. It's like, sorry, my kid's so loud. What an <laughs> asshole, right? I keep trapping him under the stairs to make him quiet. Doesn't work. Got any ideas? I would pick him up at school, but he has to walk 15 blocks away because I'm not allowed to drive close enough. Like, human services. Am I right? Usually. But yeah, that's, uh, that, that to me is, and uh, the saddest thing is like seeing the people who buy it, like who fall for it, mm-hmm. and just thinking about like those awful internalized, anybody who reads that sign and is like, fuck yeah, like what are they doing over here? Yeah. Anybody who can like call, call like fall for that trap of being convinced. It seems like it's working though. What like like at a distance the 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 corporate movement to blame workers for the 
uh, wage increases. Yeah. Incredibly successful how much people will internalize that Exactly. Shit. Yeah, right. I don't know how to push back against that. They have all the power. And it's, I mean, it, it, it seems like from a policy standpoint, uh, a wage increase should maybe be accompanied by something making corporations uh, some sort of control on the way they actually spend their money, which, you know, of course is not what a if the free market. owned the corporation? Yeah. <laughs> or there are, like, taps to, like, how much you can, what percentage the, the lowest paid worker can make, um... As compared to the European CEO. countries, have that. Well, in- yeah. Instead of that, what we get is we get like everybody trying something way different. Like uh-huh. some people are will just like tack on a fifteen percent raise onto the prices of everything, instead of just raising the prices, which would be like totally more uh, like fair and and just be like, yeah, they're higher. We have to pay people more. I just they yeah. raise the prices. Instead, you have to interact with like the. Audacity of this wage increase, sort of psychologically, every time because oh, and then we talked on the worker fee. Right. <laughs> like, since when is like the wages oh. of the employee a visible fee on my bill? Well, <laughs> yeah, and that's like that's spread to. Um, there's this. I'm pulling it up now. There's a story uh, about a month ago about American Airlines and how their investors were complaining that labor was being paid first. So yes, it's just it's poor bre- investors. Yeah, exactly. It's breeded the sense of entitlement to these people who are already entitled that they get the first shrift. Yeah, before invest. That's investors nuts. show yeah. up every day to work, checking their stock templates, making sure their return is coming back, <laughs> and they're not being the ones shelled out on top first. It's ridiculous. Over the people who are actually there every day. It's re- yeah, it, it 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 kind of and the, that my, that's my favorite thing that's emerging lately is um, people in it, one of the emerging trends sort of like since Trump's uh, inauguration. Obviously, one of the only things we can say is that it's becoming real clear, real fast who's always been a fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. As like we all bought into so much, and I think that's like one of the demo- like the reckoning among Democrats that maybe Democrats aren't doing the best job of representing people. Uh, is you're seeing people's politics, like the real ideology that people have, just coming like right up to the level. Like, people at home can't see what I'm doing. I've got my hand on my Jack stomach. Jack is vomiting. In I've a got way. my hand on my stomach and I'm moving it sort of up the windpipe to the mouth where people's like true beliefs are so that (laughs) now it's on my stomach oh no where's it going ah (laughs) finish your opinion on my chest (laughs) on my chest (laughs) so but that's that's one of my favorite things is now turning to people is the friends who were like liberal that's the first ugly thing that happens is first you see who was always like you know trump gets elected and like somebody who you thought was cool was like i just think everybody should accept He's just president. We just got to stand up. And, and that's the first wave of realization. The second wave is like the demo, the, your cool liberal friend who you thought was cool. And now they're like fucking Jill Stein. And you're like, come on, man. Like, I always thought that you kind of got that that wasn't the problem, right? Yeah. Well, to quote our good friend, Nancy Pelosi, we're capitalists. Deal with it. That's just- Goddamn Gorbachev. <laughs> Just the way it is. That's what she said. Yeah, yeah, she's saying that song. Uh 
All right, so so we're all extra familiar with the liberal narrative as to how things are going right now because liberals, you know, are in charge of the media and are in the major cities. Uh, but the very interesting thing to watch at this point in Trump's presidency, I think, is how the hard right is evolving in terms of being this hopeful underclass hoping the Trump train can take them to, to race war town into uh, slowly recognizing that this guy they were pushing into power is just another one of the worms that's going to sell them out to uh, global capitalists. I'm good. I'm actually think that's a negative development. Like a lot of liberals jeer about that. Like they kind of like get a sick pleasure from watching like Trumpians, be disappointed by Trump. Mm -hmm. But like when people's last hope kind of falls apart in front of them, like the only step next is like whatever nihilism brings. Yeah. Right? Like I don't think it's a positive development that all these people like thought they had a thought they had something that was going to champion their interests and that they you know, it's it's a it's it's complicated because it leaves sort of like no good option. An oh yeah, the world. people with all the guns are upset now. Ha ha! <laughs> ha, ha. <laughs> we got you. I now. run a blog. This is just what I wanted. <laughs> well, that's not, so that's an interesting thing. Is is the thing that you're identifying like the middle American Trump voter who's disappointed, the media class people in the conservative world, or are you talking about like, the 4chan nihilists? I'm talking about the 4chan nihilists. Like the, the, the grassroots oh, yeah. base of the Trump train is fucking wilding right now. Yeah, but yeah, who are of... growing up too, who have been raised on this shit. Yeah. Yeah. But what if some, some of them sort of just drop out of, they just get disillusioned a la Obama 2010 and they don't uh, vote, they don't, they just kind of lose interest in it. Yeah, I mean, like apathy is a very. Sorry, go ahead. I was doing a French voice. I'm sorry. I'm, I've been drinking for a while. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, some of them will grow up to be apathetic, but like a lot of these people have been recruited, like they're in gangs and they have nothing else. They want to be. I mean, it's natural instinct to want to feel like they're a part of something. Yeah. And as long as they're still logged in posting on B every fucking day, whatever weirdo anime porn they have, they're still connected to that base. Well, so here's the thing that I, I sort of haven't ever written about, but it's something that like uh, a few like journalists and stuff have been like talking about privately as like a narrative arc that we're starting to recognize in, in, in the development of like the 4chan trolls is um, we're starting to see, so we're starting to see among the, like the, the Trump thing was really exciting because it unified like troll internet really rapidly with like white. So everybody who was like, uh, far right and loved fucking upsetting people could kind of like unify and accept that Trump was going to be a great thing. And All now, the subgroups from the people who like whites to the people who like anime porn yeah. to the people <laughs> who like soul caliber porn. Right. Yes. So now they're all. And, and one of the interesting things is, is, is seeing that um, them break apart and sort of rediscover, rediscover their divisions it reminds me – so it reminds me of – one of the things that nobody compares the alt-right to is Anonymous, which is a really useful organization for understanding the alt-right because they both come from the same – they're all born out of the same uh, – they have the same root in 4chan culture, and they sort of had the same purpose. Early Anonymous wasn't about um, – wasn't about – 
uh, high-minded ideals. It was about causing upset and harassment. Anonymous mm. would find some 12-year-old girl who pissed them off on the internet, and they'd fucking ruin her life, right? And then what happened? Well, uh, ev- all these people who thought that there were some interesting ideas at play or felt excited about the possibility space sort of took them at face value, right? So well, this movement that used this crusader language to justify harassment, well, some people showed up and were like, well, that crusader shit, we like that. Mm-hmm. So we saw like real anon activists while the guys who started the movement were like, what the fuck are you guys doing? What are you guys uh, – why Why do people take this seriously? This is supposed to be a troll movement, and that's how you saw the division that – they had the word for that. By the way, the word for that was called um, moral fagging. It was – oh, these – you know, whatever. Oh, man. They that's take, a word we all use all the time, too. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they – uh, Anonymously. Yeah. And they take – so they took that, that – uh, so there became a division in Anonymous between the hardline trolls who were there to fucking ruin people's lives and all of these mawkish whatevers who, like, took up the cause seriously. That same division is currently reemerging on the far right in places like 4chan. Have you guys seen, like, the Kekistan stuff? Yes! Oh, my God. All right, so today I've had a very special day because I went to a barbecue where we were all just going to play video games for a long time. But we couldn't get it working, and so to entertain us, Andy Palmer, my roommate, friend of the show, put on MSNBC's documentary of Kekistan. They, I had no idea that this thing was made. Oh, yeah. Oh, tell me all about it. It is a bland, hyper-analyst uh, excavation into oh, the no. world of Kekistan. Like local news-style Kekistan yes. coverage? Mm-hmm. This is yes. Yes. So it's I'm, so good. These are the moments I'm proud to be an online, like an online reporter and digital journalist, because like local people, when they mm, and then they and these uh, these miscreants log on to the internet purportedly to do trolling, <laughs> looking for thrills, no matter where they come next. <laughs> yeah, right. They had um. My favorite part of it is uh that they, they went into the terms of what the Kekistanis use online as code names like SJWs might mean a tricky Jew, <laughs> or a trap is a hot girl who should get raped. <laughs> But and then they had like all the gamer like video broadcaster people being like ah trappies for kick or whatever. <laughs> but um, they would also cut to these rallies of these people who were clearly like isolated losers who only associate with internet culture who would just grab on, and that includes like young like normal looking girls who'd just be like I'm here for Kakistan. Re yes the, the re. So upsetting Wait, to watch. You guys know what the re thing uh, is, right? No, no, not familiar with that. Re is re r e e e e e e is an uh, it's an onomatopoetic sound mm-hmm. for uh, SJW screeching. Ugh. But they okay. all do it in live action, so it's like you just see a person screech at you, and, and you're you like, know, "Oh god!" You know what the sound <laughs> actually is? It's not re so much as it's like re. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you okay. get it. Yeah, yeah. now you hear me do it. Yeah. And that's the thing. Yeah, the names. Like, you know. Right. Wait, so where, Kekistan, where where does that term it, come from? Or what is Kekistan, it? Kekistan, so Kekistan is just like this mythical, on, <laughs> it's this online mythos built around like this, the, the Chan culture shit. But the thing that nobody talks about is the Kekistan thing is people who are in Chan culture 
essentially saying all of you real hard right-wing radicals who take white nationalism seriously uh. are fucking ridiculous. Mm. And the fact that, like, Poll and 4chan and B have, like, gained this notoriety as having a coherent ideology represented by people like Don Black and Richard Spencer. They're like, this was always about upsetting people. This was always about trolling. All these people who, like, are going out into public with, like, American flags being like, we're defending America. They they think that they are silly. There's always this dark heart of 4chan looking at people taking them super seriously and just being either frustrating or laughing, depending where we are in their sort of, like, predator-prey media cycle. But these people supported uh, that, you know, Trump and these things, right? But well, not to, to the extent that Trump was – not to the extent that they were interested in his policies, but right. to the extent that they have that conservative thing that, like, could now that, like, National Review – and it's at all love, which is when something is good because it is upsetting to liberals. Mm. Matthew Iglesias, who is gen, who is a lot of times not very good, had a great tweet storm about the hiring of Brett Stevens. And he was like, if you watch Brett Stevens, New York Times is hiring a never Trumper, which means they're trying to sort of like get beyond yeah. Trumpism as like a political ideology, which is OK, whatever. So. They hired Brett Stevens, and Brett Stevens, what did he do for his first few columns? He trolls. Mm -hmm. He writes a climate change denial piece, even though that's the thing everybody hates about him. He writes about safe spaces, just classic troll things. Liberals get mad, which validates the purpose of the endeavor in the first place, and it's this troll cycle, you know, trolling as a, upsetting liberals as a reason to tear, right? Uh, which just goes to show that even never Trumpers can't escape that conservative praxis that made Trump what he is, which is this idea that he just puts these mawkish, easily offended people on the ropes all of the time. Mm. So it's like when you talk about 4chan endorsing Trump, you really have to look at two instincts, in base root instinct. There's a class of these individuals whose instinct is – he, we love that he upsets people. And, and the fact that he horrifies you and makes you scream is fucking all, everything we're about. He's the troll president. And then there are the people who are like, oh, no, this is wonderful. He's here to create a um, – he's here to create a heterogeneous uh, ethno state that is uniquely white. But the people who like him because he's a troll think the other class of people are fucking awful. Yeah, it's also – um. Uh, and loosely related, it's also a brand of misogyny that's being it's being interpreted as hegemonic misogyny, but it's more based on like personal catharsis and just provoking people. Yeah. Uh, there's a thing I wanted to read real quick from Angela Nagel in The Baffler. She wrote, "Oh, uh, I'm sure this is going to be good." Yeah, uh, she, the new man of 4chan. Uh, Here, the counterculturists of the beta world are tapping into a misogynic tradition, only it's aligned with the bohemian left, not the button-down right. Long before the post-war counterculture emerged, Emma, Emma Bovary symbolized the dreary and banal feminine massification of culture for 19th century cultural rebels. Channeling the same tradition, the beta world invades continually against the advanced feminization and massification of Internet age culture. This is why their misogyny sits so comfortably alongside their mix of geeky and countercultural styles and why the pat hegemonic masculinity answer is so inadequate. Well, it's interesting, too, how uh, it seems like a lot of this ethos kind of rose out of, like, the Bush years, where 
it was politically incorrect to say, for instance, that we shouldn't be, you know, bombing the Middle East. It was politically incorrect to say, uh, like, transgendered people should raise children and go on field trips with them and stuff like that. You know, like, a lot of this stuff, I remember anyway, kind of arose uh, if trying to offend the Christian right, the very people who they're now, like, um, kind of aligned with. And I guess the, there's starting to be more of a, a hemorrhage now. But uh, Which is why it's unsurprising that, by the way, you know, I hate to say it, but why there are people in the comedy world, right, who mm-hmm. are, like, surprisingly have bad, authentically bad politics. Yeah. You know, there are there is that real strain, right? Um, so... I think the other thing that's important to to identify here is this idea of masculinity as related to the idea of the excess individual. You know, mm. I think a lot of these things are economically tied into um, the idea that we have excess men, the idea of the ex- excess man. Mm-hmm. And, the X man. Oh yeah, that's the this, <laughs> the dip, yeah, that's like the 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 uh, that's the new name for that or awful deplor- the deplorables image. Oh, that, I didn't even know about this. Oh, yeah. It's the <laughs> image just, tweeted uh, out ripping. by one of the Trumps, and it looks like the Expendables, only it's like Milo yeah. Yiannopoulos and fucking Pepe. Uh, yeah. So mm-hmm. nice. th- there is this – one of the things you see is you see an obsession with the idea of like the, their usefulness and their vira- their uh, virility yeah, and the idea that um, they are being denied an, an, a certain cultural inheritance um, – and and it and it and it's part and parcel of this thing where like the four channers are often the the stereotype they are often the gamer the basement dweller the 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 anti somebody with antisocial behaviors because our crisis of abundance has created a segment of the mostly white mostly male population mm-hmm. that funk ha, fee, that ends up having no economic function these yeah. individuals who kind of like coast off of the excesses of the problem of abundance identified decades ago which is when you don't when society tells you you don't when a patriarchal society tells a young white man that they are of no use to that society mm-hmm. what the fuck happens to them yeah and they're well connected and organized and radicalizing these people uh, and it, it's an entire base of people that have been long ignored by the Christian right. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's only going to get fucking worse. Because the Christian right is... I, I, that's a fascinating... Because now now framework. even the Christian right is embracing these people. That's a f- So that's a fascinating thing to bring up is the idea also that a lot of this like antisocial behavior and a lot of this suspicion and a lot of Trumpism comes from, you know, the Federalist is a fucking monstrous publication sometimes but they have like one guy who's half decent he wrote this thing that's like you know when people people like seek tribes and when we say when we create a situation where other tribes are faltering whether that is religious groups whether that's certain kinds of communities whether it's like the the communal structures of old begin to fail people will look for new things to organize around essentially because he's a fucking federalist writer his thesis ends up being that identitarian sjw culture encourages white people to identify tribally around being white and that it's a bad thing and the reason i agree with this writer is it is a bad thing if white people seek tribalism it's a bad idea to like for white people to t- 
decide whiteness is a tribal identity. Mm-hmm. We should avoid that, which is right. But you're right. Like that's these all, a lot of these groups have been neglected for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I wrote about, I don't know if you're making reference to this, but uh, the Battle of Boston, where they had like Kekistani flags. So I was I was in Boston the other weekend with like the Proud Boys, um, which is always exciting. Proud Boys is uh, me and Anders after a great set. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, true. You guys do the serial. You guys do the B- serial beat ins and everything. You know about this. And I'm yeah. the proud dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Rockoff is our proud dad. Yeah. You should tell us about your thing, him. just in case. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So in Boston, basically, what happened is on 4chan, a teenager named a 17 year old kid named Stephen and his like high school friends. Stephen, no. <laughs> yeah. So have you seen Based Stickman? Do you know who Based mm-hmm. Stickman is? Oh, Based Stickman. So after the after Battle of Berkeley, where the alt writers brawled to the anti-fascists, um, there's this guy based Stickman. He wears goggles, a helmet, uh, like a gas facial gas mask, and he carries a round shield. And what they do is they all have um, American flags that are weighted to be used as weapons, which is why if you ever see these guys carrying around fucked up looking flags, it's because they're expecting to hit somebody with it. So this guy, Kyle Chapman. Uh, gets famous because he like bloodies a bunch of people with a fucking stick mm-hmm. at uh, the Battle of Berkeley, so he becomes like his hero. So they they put these kids in Boston suburbs and Peabody and Gloucester and shit. All these terrible. I mean, Boston's a, a markedly terrible place to begin with. Decide to <laughs> wait a second. Are we talking? Do we Shout have, out do Boston. We, do we have Boston in the room at all? Well, Alex I'm from is Boston, Boston, but my I, parents met there. But I have no. I, I recognize no the it's a terrible uh, place. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'm just wondering if I this is like a safe space to talk shit on Boston. Um, so yeah, I, I'm in the. Patriot. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we don't like the Patriots on this podcast. This is an anti Tom yeah, Brady. Retire, yeah. Brady. Retire. That's what you say, right? Who, that, he's a real proud boy. I, I really say. enjoy yeah. only tuning into sports to watch my home team win every time. So <laughs> you know, oh, whatever. All right, <laughs> and then you go commit a hate crime. Yeah, I'm always blackout drunk. I don't know what happens. So, so, yeah. so I show up in Boston, and they're basically they hold. They're, they're like. These kids, these seventeen-year-old kids, put out an advertisement being like, "We should hold like a free speech rally." And it has Base Stickman's like face on it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the logo is a brawler's visage, and they're like, "Uh, you know, it's a free speech rally. You know, we shouldn't uh, be violent." But Boston has a shit ton of anti-fascists. Bring, don't bring knives. We bring weighted sticks, body armor, Stickman basics. Helmets, goggles, but, like, no fighting, guys. But, like, mm. be prepared for fucking war, but, like, keep it peaceful. So they hold this rally, and they put out this advertisement, and within a couple of weeks, all of the militias of the fucking country are like, these kids know what's going on. And the fucking Oath Keepers fly into town, and based stickman Kyle Chapman himself comes, and from all over the country... Basically, all of these like dispossessed alt right people who are like pro- like uh, incel non masturbating people with like pent up sexual frustration and tortured by the their the failures of masculinity within the context of patriarchy fly into Boston to fight people, mm-hmm. um, and the Boston cops kept them away from. Uh, the Boston cops kept the two parties apart the whole time. There's no fighting. A proud boy who was arrested in New York was also arrested there. Um, but 
the fascinating thing was seeing like the Oath Keepers, which is the largest militia in the country. I mean, these fucking guys like showed up to Ferguson with guns when shit was going down and just this like super anti-governmental militia movement that is very pro-constitutionalist, anti-white nationalist, like very ideologically strong, far right fucking militia made exclusively of veterans and former police officers showing up and giving speeches to the Kekistan fucking people and the re people and people who are like praise Kek being like you are the next generation of our movement which was wild he was like I see these kids and it brings me to tears and I was like yeah I mean I guess we're all, we've all had a good cry about this shit, but not because we were looking forward <laughs> yeah. to it. Where so why I do the Kekistanis up? go out in the streets? Why do they leave the the basement? Because they love they because there are and this happened during Anonymous too. There are people who for these people who provoke online and shit. Yeah. There is a very similar kick you can get from going in and seeing like anti-fascists and actually getting to like scream your. It's all troll shit. Yeah, it's yeah like, they love what, conflict. What, yeah. What was the they what's the flag? Me. Because I'm. It's like it looks like a Nazi flag only it's green. Here, pull up the Kekistani yeah. flag. Okay, because I might have seen these guys. Normies out. I went to a rally where they chanted about normies. Yeah, normies like, are always plaguing them. I, I saw <laughs> so alt-righters bad. explain to a Boston cop what Kekistan is. Woo! He was like, what's that flag? <laughs> Woo! What's that flag you got there? I don't know how to do the myth. What's that oh, flag okay. you got That's the there. Kekistani flag. So what it looks we're like, like the a Irish. Nazi flag for retards. <laughs> it looks like a Nazi flag from a fictional universe, like a yeah. like, like an advanced like a game like Advance. You're from Wars. like a graphic yeah. novel or something, right? It looks like Pikmin. Somebody who was yeah, yeah. Pikmin. Yeah, somebody, exactly, somebody yeah. who was Pikmin. Doing- <laughs> Pikmin. Yeah. Pikmin's always been missing a Nazi element. Pikekistan. Right? <laughs> yeah. Dude, Pikmin was like super fascist the whole time. What? Pikmin? Like colonize the planet. Explain right? to me the game mechanics of Pikmin. You pick up the Pikmin and you throw them and they carry things for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> what else can you do with Pikmin? Uh, you throw them into the bog, the bog beasts, and then they they beat them down on top of their heads. <laughs> you you plant seeds and you grow workers out of the ground who are totally disposable, who you follow you around like lemmings. Well, it's better if you make them loyal, and that way they get flowers on their heads. Right, and you right they you give them sort of like a s- small aesthetic developments in order to like encourage loyalty and loyal behavior. And then what are you doing? You're like colonizing this planet by literally using the dispo- physical disposability of a workforce. I mean, there's no more brutalistic analogy. I see the for- imperialism specter over Pikmin, but all Omar wants to do is get out of there. Yeah, but then he was joined by a friend later on, sort of a tall, thin friend. That's sort of true, like a his Luigi figure. fellow. Yes, he did have a Luigi. You're right. More oh, Mussolini, is he Italian? Frankly. Right, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, hey. <laughs> Oh, Belichick. This is the making pi- me deeply uncomfortable. Here's what I want. Is I want pi- in the third Pikmin for the, it's like Pikmin, um, like Comrade Pikmin Uprising. And <laughs> it's Pikmin like in their little language singing like Bella Chow and like <laughs> killing, was right. his name Omar? I hate when the Pikmin fed the other Pikmin castor oil until they had diarrhea until they died. <laughs> right, yeah. This is the future that we are aiming for. And it was funny because um, 
I love re-looking at, like, bleary utopias and the frameworks of, like, really dreadful politics. One of my favorite things is somebody – there's another podcast recently. I don't know. Fuck it. It's probably Chapo, right? Where somebody was, like, talking about Wally and looking at, like, this uh, consumerist future where everybody's needs yeah, were taken yeah, care yeah, of yeah. and being like, that seemed fine. Yeah. Like nothing seemed terrible about the, what was the what was the terrible thing? All the, the people existed with no purpose floating around as fat they were blobs fat. while robots took care of them. There's they actually, to be fat. There's a fascinating article uh on the all from forever ago called the I think it was like the uh Pixar theory of labor and yeah. the idea that like is basically like Pixar has absorbed Apple's politics by its genesis and Pixar stories are all actually about um, finding the labor, like finding the, like the that everybody becomes whole once they find their function within mm-hmm. a capitalist system, and that like the greatest specter of like the concluding the Toy Story trilogy is that people had become useless, and that like the only way an inside out that sadness became valued by the collective was when the collective started recognizing not her intrinsic value but her function. Mm-hmm. Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all in there, man. Whoa. When we, when we, you know, when the revolution comes, those Pixar animators are first against the wall. That's right. <laughs> oh, boy. Where to tie this back into? <laughs> I cannot imagine. So, anyway, I, so I show, so I, so we get a little on off track. Uh, so I, yeah, so I showed up to Boston, and that was what's fascinating to me is I would, I wrote a story about this where it's like, uh, the, it's, they, he said it was the uniting of the American warrior class. And I think it was, it was like nothing but a de- a nihilistic, uh, sort of like death knell for sort of what used to be a sincere conservative movement because conservative values are collapsing. But how do we feel about that? As a left movement, because I mean, we don't really have our shit together either. I, I don't think that there is a popular left force that could uprise at the last second to combat, you know, some terrible thing that might happen. I mean, ICE is already rounding people up all the time right now, and all we do is send emails to people. Um, But the right breaking down into nihilistic gamer covens doesn't make me feel good at all. It kind of is scarier than before. Well, I don't know. I think one of the things you hear people talk about, and it doesn't get taken seriously because it sounds like myth-making, is the idea of... Um, developing sort of like visionary ambition on the left. You know, one of the things people talk about, people talk about Bernie and his politics all the time, but one of the things that was appealing about Bernie that was sort of captured people is that he captured people's imaginations, right? His rhetoric was all about presenting a possible vision of the future. I think the new, because when we talk about the collapse of traditional conservatism, it's because nobody buys it anymore. Mm. Right, like nobody right, gives right, a sh- right. nobody gives a shit about it is the thing. So the only way the way conservative politicians win is all all cons- all ostensible conservative politics around things like economics are only functional as dog whistles anymore to like strange baser instincts. And the new real conservative ideology is like managerial class stuff, right? Like the new conservatives are are maintainers. We don't need to up the minimum wage because uh, fast food workers are uh, trying to sleep with my daughter. But <laughs> but you wouldn't you would separate that from Trumpism. Trumpism is like I would say that which part from Trumpism? The managerial conservatism. Yes, hell yeah. Okay, of course. Uh, well, I think managerial conservatism is like a lot of what liberals do. Right. 
And right. I think like that, that the very moderate space is managerial conservatism. But Trumpism is just I mean, I think the funny thing is, is we're, we're everybody's so confused now about what Trumpism is. And I think historically it's going to become incredibly clear. Mm. Right. Like, I think the the weird thing is, is the weird thing about like all this Hillary apologia that we keep reading. Mm-hmm. Like we see like their latest article in on the cover of New York Mag. Everybody's making fun of this caption that was you remember what the caption on the front of New York Mag this week is she's OK. Or something. Yeah. Uh, she, yeah, she's Rebecca do- Tracer, Tracer, baby. She's yeah. doing okay, Tracer. I admire you. Uh, there's a lot of stuff I admire about Tracer, but this the Hillary politics aren't them. But uh, she's one of my favorite journalists uh, when it talks a lot about her gender politics stuff. But when it comes to Hillary, it's like this whole article that's a, just about it's just about it's just about um, protecting this person from criticism. The article yeah. is basically a litany of. This is what people say. As, this is what people peddle as legitimate con- criticism. But she's not buying it. So, so there's this thing on the front that there's the most tone deaf bullshit, which was that phrase. Uh, she's doing okay. How about you? Which and is it's what like, Hillary says. We're all that. doing terrible. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing awful, and it's her fault. Like, <laughs> well, what she's doing okay is just what she says after she faints. It's her catchphrase. <laughs> That's one of the. So uh, there's a few things that I think people are going to look back on historically, and one of the things is that they're going to be like, I think historically. And it's like, yeah, his, his, Tracer does this thing where it's like everybody writes off the misogyny thing and like the role gender plays. And I'm like, yeah, it played a fucking enormous role, like played a huge role. But I think what history is going to remember, I think if you there will be history books in which this Clinton campaign is like two paragraphs long, right? Like it's mm-hmm. going to it's going to be very real. And those paragraphs mm-hmm. are basically going to be um, Democrats floated their what the democratic beltway thought was a good idea and it's old politics amongst demand for reform and every, nobody bought it and then it failed and i can't believe we're still people are like can't we stop talking about clinton and leftists are like we have to we have to make sure the mm-hmm. critique is right and it's like i don't know i think that'll sort itself out eventually it'll sort itself out but like people like very coolly dismiss the occupy movement now too but when we like years from now when we're talking about anti-establishment movements and we're talking about trump people are going to highlight what was going on on the left and they're going to talk about securities fraud and financial corruption and corporate personhood and they're like well why didn't the left do anything well there was this giant movement that didn't gain any momentum because democrats basically squashed it and dismissed i think occupy had some other problems too oh they definitely had some other problems yeah Yeah. yeah. occupy had some big problems but i think that's the funny thing is i all you already hear people talking about occupy as being fundamentally good and flawed right Right. people talk about occupy now nobody's like occupy what a bunch of jerk offs like there's just like oh yeah occupy it had problems but it really raised awareness for a number of issues but a few years ago that's how they talked about it like 2014 2013 yeah right but because closer it was kind of like a bernie beta movement sort of yeah yeah bernie got a little closer and that's why it's like i'm ready to stop talking about clinton but like if they if a you know liberal brings it up and like can't seem to get past the fact that i'm i'm not actually obsessed with like i don't look at a picture of hillary clinton and like have veins pop in my forehead and i don't (laughs) have torture like i think she's a nice lady i don't care like i care about her politics and like if you want to have a resistance to trump then it seems to make sense that we shouldn't still be uh, getting behind someone who used to raise money from Trump. I move on immediately. Yeah, but, I, whenever, but, but whenever it's people... a line in the sand that, like, I th- I think 
still I, I think there's still some work that needs to be done there. You know, like I remember with Traster in particular uh, during the primaries, her big thing was like, well, I think all these criticisms of Clinton on welfare reform, all this stuff is totally valid. And I think on the issues, yeah, Bernie has been right. But I, I think it's um, better to not have the leader of a movement be in power. Be, you should be the, the leader of the movement should be a more centrist like person. It's like I, I makes that makes no sense to me that we would want like that's a great problem to have. If Bernie Sanders is in power and like there's this contradiction between him and power and the movement that got him in there, that's a that'd be great. You know, it would that'd be an issue that you'd have to overcome. But like, that's a lot better than having uh, a centrist in power who you have to fight like 80 percent of the time. You know, I agree. But I just I for me is that's not how I don't think by getting them on that is how you make converts. Like, I think. Right. I think you have to recognize that people you have to have a conversation with somebody where you know that even if they are instinct to fight you in the moment, they they carry that through to the next conversation like i think about when anytime somebody convinced me of something politically and the truth is is that while they were having the conversation i was fighting with them mm-hmm. but when the next time i had the conversation with somebody else i was taking their position right right mm-hmm. like i think people i think that one of the problems the left the left has is they want total conversion on their terms as soon as they like for me i speak to conservatives and they're like well how could you support all the liberal stuff, and I begin usually by being like, I mean, hey, man, I don't feel represented either. You have to begin always where they're at. Where they're at is they don't feel represented, nobody seems to care about them, and they feel like everybody else is doing better than they are. And it's like, okay, Hey, well, man, I love Chick-fil-A, dog. <laughs> it's like, yeah, uh, it's like, hey, uh, hey, hello, fellow children, like, hey, fellow kids, hey, kids yeah. only for conservatives. <laughs> Oh yeah, ah. let's bring responsibility back to politics, chums. But yeah. would you agree though that like if it is, it does seem pretty important to me now that um, we push people in a direction that's not like, oh well, we got to accept that uh, the people running for office that we need to support, including the next presidential nominee from the Democrats, are going to be people who raise money from Wall Street. They're going to be you know, people who support imperialism like that's we have to ex- like there are people who have already accepted that, who have, who have already said that they're I, people I know who have already said they're willing to support Cory Booker in 2020. It's like I'll still it's like they're saying that now, you know, yeah. like so, create alternatives and let history sort out sort out the myth making. I think is the thing is there's this criticism of liberals in general that instead of in in their opposition to Trump, instead what they present is um, is just anti-Trumpism instead of an alternative platform. Right. I Mm -hmm. think the left is the same way with liberalism. Instead of presenting alternative institutions and solutions, they present a critique and they present a new kind of myth making and expect other people to sort of like come along to it and for eventually power to shift but to who uh-huh. like but to who are people supposed to shift their support to away from traditional democrats at this point bernie gave a substantial option in his in his absence what we found is that when socialists like run for local government they fucking win 
I think we just need more of that, right? Like more institution building. Like one of the things is like Matt Brunig right now, as controversial as he is, he's trying to like create a leftist think tank. Right. Think tanks create all the laws in this fucking country. Like that's not mm. a controversial statement. Like think tanks are enormously influential instead of actual laws that get made, don't get made by like congressional staffers. And one of the things he's like is um, there are just no think tanks on the left. They just don't exist. Yeah. yeah. Um, no real ones. There's just like, quote, progressive think tanks. And mm-hmm. he's like, I'm gonna just going to use Patreon to make research. Yeah. And I'm just going to like, I'm going to fund my Patreon the same way Amanda Palmer funds her fucking weird albums. There's no asbestos filled chocolate companies sending money to make our think tanks. It's, that's something, you know, that would have been pretty useful during the primary last year when it was like, well, Bernie's, uh, he wrote his health care plan on the back of a napkin. Like if you had someone... Like actually coming up with a, th- and that's why J.K. Rowling has come out against him. <laughs> <and such force. laughs> so that's well, it's just th- resourceful. Come on, yeah. that's one of the things that's exciting is that like that's what the left needs is is building institute is building right. new institutions. Yes, and we are of course uh, biased on this uh, account on this point, but um, one of those I- institutions that is kind of rising out of uh, the wake of of the Clinton campaign is DSA. Democratic Socialists of America, um, up? which has taken a strategy of being inside outside the Democratic Party. So they will um, use the Democratic ballot line where it's appropriate in some races and then in other races uh, endorse and support independent or third party candidates. Um, and they're functionally they functionally almost basically are a party, but technically uh, it's not. Um is that but the, that's already something though that liberals are a little bit uh, skeptical of and wary of and very eager to denounce going in. So isn't that confrontation still going to to happen? Eh, you don't need them. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. Uh, for me, I think that everybody, I everybody should stop. We need to stop over indexing the sort of if our criticism of liberals is going to be. That liberals are overinvested in the power of oratory, myth making, uh, aesthetic appeals, and um, sort of like governance by the superior argument, then the left has to abandon it entirely. And I don't think we're there yet. I mean, the left's politics right now. I think what you're describing when I when you say it, I hate to sound awful, but like I hear that as I'm like, yeah, that's Matt being mad online. Like Matt uh, Glacius? Be, like, no, mad oh, online. Oh, like, mad. Being, being mad. Mad online. Being mad online. Yeah, like being mad online that, yeah. like, liberals are out there. There's a liberal that's wrong. Yeah, I've never right, been but, mad online. But there's fear. But there, there's going to be fear tactics against groups like DSA. There already has been. And, of course, uh, we saw what happened with Jill Stein. You know, like, there's this echo chamber, this very prominent echo chamber that's um, warning against mo- Libs going anywhere. Libs are still lining Jill Stein against the wall. <laughs> yeah, her and months. Susan Sarandon need to yeah. be shot. <laughs> her and Susan Sarandon. But also, the the funny thing is, so I turned to a, um, I was talking to, I know, I know a conservative think tank guy. I won't name him or what it is, but it's a very popular conservative libertarian think tank. And I was like, uh, I was like, what are you guys, what are your plans? We're just like sitting on his couch. I'm like, what are your plans for like, um, the fact that the next generation of people have nobody among them shares your politics. Mm. Like the current ge- – like that every – that overwhelmingly they hate capitalism. They're majorly socialist. Everybody wants single pyre. Like young people, it's going to be like the marijuana thing. Like you're going to get to a point where you can't. And he was like, ha, 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 
And I was like, no, I'm serious. You guys ever talk about that? Because that's a huge existential fucking threat. Well, I'll be dead by then. Um, You know, I thought about that. But, like, don't you think some of these people are going to grow up, they're going to get good jobs, and they're going to gain money and power, and they're going to be influenced by that? No, because we don't live in the same economic paradigm in which that happened to the boom. Nobody clap, clap's going to get clap, clap a good job. Clap, clap. That's Alex's libertarian rallying call. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they actually were saying at the um, the uh, Keck rally. By the way, amazing <laughs> moments from the Keck rally are the all, clap of the weird, all, all of the weird like um, cognitive dissonances. Like when the people on the hill, the, the Antifa were chanting, um, I think like it was something about like fighting about health care, like uh, – Healthcare is a human right. Like they had like some chant like that, mm-hmm. and the guys on the front lines were like, um, one turned to the other and went, like super seriously. He was like, "We want them to have healthcare, don't we? <laughs> don't we want them to have healthcare?" And then check a, the Keck Bible. Is this uh, in the Keck Bible? Yeah, another one was like, um, check when they the were like, Bible. "The people united will never be defeated," and then the um, the Kekistani started chanting it too. Like with them <laughs> was my other favorite thing. And the third was there was a guy laying out like a punk. He was like a crust punk mm-hmm. with like a boom box. And he was like, I'm just he's laying out in the alt right. Like they're separated, the alt writers and the Antifa. But this guy, he's going to lay right down in the middle of like the alt right thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I came over and I was like, oh, tight. You're playing like World Inferno Friendship Society. And he was like, word. And it was like funny, and he had a fuck Trump hat on, like he was like very d- loudly. And th- a song came on, and it was um, "Press Corpse" by Anti Flag. Oh, I know that song. Yeah, it's a great song. Um, and then like the Trump people came over and was like, "That song's tight." And he was like, "Thanks." And he was like fist bumping the fucking <laughs> MAGA chuds because it was like an anti mainstream media song. And yeah, I'm yeah. standing there, and I'm the only one who knows all the words, and I'm like. This is all like these people are all incredibly politically nubile and confused. Mm-hmm. Well, that that's I mean, and that's something I have been thinking about um, with you know we were talking about earlier, less the excess men uh, misogyny that's happening. And I remember an interview with Angela Nagel. She was talking about how she grew up in Ireland and like her father was a patriarch in the very traditional sense, where. Uh, might have been her grandfather, but he had to go out and like provide for the family and like live on, you know, very little. Being a patriarch sucks. Yeah, it sucks. They only ate his corn that he grew. Right. Yeah, uh, and then when he go, when he, you know, when he dies, it's just like the end of perfume. They just tear his body apart and right. use his bones as various new pots and pans and tools and shit. Little tools mm-hmm. you crack open mm-hmm. other patriarchs. He dies, they don't even cry. They're just like, oh, his eyes will make a good stew. <laughs> <laughs> it's a John Mulaney joke. And the Irish, you know, when the boy dies, you don't cry. You just go, bury the boy. We'll bury, bury the, the boy. boy. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, but that's, that's fascinating. It's like, the uh, yeah, they're right. Everybody... The thing that frightens me isn't, like, liberal denialism, isn't, like, modern conservatism. It is the inability of the left to – beyond Bernie, which is why everybody's really keeping – hewing close to Bernie is the left needs way more celebrities. Left Twitter is the coolest fucking place on the internet. We it's- have Danny DeVito. Everything goes <laughs> super viral. There's just so much hunger. 
There's uh-huh. so much hunger for leftism and left ideology and for like the total life and collaboration and the exuberance of it. Like left left Twitter is like one of the coolest fucking places on the internet. Like everybody yeah, is incredibly I, fun. I spent mo- most of the time on left Twitter. One thing I wanted to point out about uh, left Twitter is that like too much of it ends up devolving into this uh this parade of look at what this op-ed guy show and just like a screenshot of them making fun of it for six hours. Uh, right. Like, and, and it does feel very self-congratulatory and, uh, you know, cyclical and, bo- and, and overall counterproductive. Yeah. yeah. And, and very little about like, um, it's very little about presenting new kinds of understandings about, um, issues like poverty and economics mm-hmm. and more about making fun of, people who care even less about poverty and economics than they do, which is like super concerning. And look, I think one of the things um, I'm going to write this piece about like left uh, leftist ideology that and a piece of it particularly, which is media, because a lot of people on the left and even liberals are flocking to media as a new space to join Mm -hmm. Um, people who are like creating podcasts instead of like going to move on and shit like that. But uh, there's this, uh, it is important to the development of a thriving culture to sort of congregate, but to, to identify as an in-group the people who are not your friends, right? To be like the funny – you are in part of the – part of the defining feature of the in-group is that we all think that people like Matthew Iglesias are sometimes like nakedly hypocrites and like status quo um, – protectors and et cetera, et cetera, right? So we'd like, okay, we make fun of Matthew Iglesias and then sometimes Michael Tracy. We all pick out these people who we think are just like foppish and ridiculous mm-hmm. and collect around that. But that is, it's a, it's a, like the 4chan people, it is an incredibly nihilistic, that has an incredibly nihilistic end point mm-hmm. um, because it creates a culture around developing a sophisticated array of enemies and praxis around upsetting them um, as opposed to a program of positive politics and yeah, and if I was a you know liberal, open-minded liberal person who's trying to learn about the left, and that's what I saw, I'd be like, "Fuck this." So I know a guy. It's uh, hilarious, but yeah. maybe fuck this. Yeah, I, I oh no, I can't talk about what this guy's story is going to be about, but it's going to involve um, <laughs> members of the alt right. Members of the alt right who are people of color, or members of the alt right who are trans, and this idea that. Not so you the, need more people. Not the <laughs> no, not the alt right, but but um, members of like the Keck movement who are that yeah. way. And one of the things he talks about is we got to is the idea that the left and liberals have a terrible onboarding process, really bad onboarding process. Like my problem is is like uh, when I start developing left politics. I'm like, where the fuck am I supposed to start? Who can I belong to? What is what are the sort of the common practices? And you get people recommending things like that. Remember that you know the ABCs of socialism. Sorry, I ain't reading that fucking book. I ain't doing it. Like, no, I will read. You want to read a collection read of essays? <laughs> yeah, well, I'll do. That's you know, not a fun thing for you to do, right? So, like, there is. I personally will, but I look at things like that, and I'm like, between extreme purity politics of liberalism overall and the left's insistence that politics need to come from like incredible background of critique right like socialism socialist like clubs and stuff devolve into reading groups fucking yeah way fast right but that's so the abc's of socialism 
is still better it's than easy. like it's pretty easy. Yeah, it's still better than yeah than, than like digging something up on JSTOR that's like in just indecipherable if you're not. Uh, Which is where we were ten years ago. Right, right, right. I just think w- with uh, yeah with the onboarding thing and like we were talking about earlier with um, all these basement dweller dudes. Those are potential people who might be sympathetic to this stuff. You know, if you can make an argument to them like, hey, patriarchy is bad for you. But and I think we've like come to this. We've got we've become obsessed with this constant like we're constantly measuring who has it worse where it's like because, yeah, there are trans women of color being murdered and um, that's where a lot of the attention should be, at least in this country. Uh, perfectly true, but I don't think you get there. I don't think you get people to care about that by belittling somebody whose um, issues with you know gender and, and their own personal lives are maybe not as pressing. You know, some guy who's like a twenty-seven-year-old virgin who got like bullied in high school and that like that made him antisocial and like yeah. you know, can't relate to women. That's not as that's not nearly as bad. But you've got to have a message for that guy. Yeah, and the and the by the and the by the way, the funny thing is, is like uh, the alt right and like the four chan people and the red pill motherfuckers, they've got great onboarding shit. Mm-hmm. If you want to become one of them, people will find you engaging videos to watch yeah. immediately, and a community that's ready to like join in with you and talk to you. Uh, and never fucking scold you about anything and except to be like, watch this shit, idiot. Like, hey, yeah, play it, this flash game where you test your blood purity. <laughs> <laughs> it's also shit that's like tangible and accessible. It's like it's like the alcoholic that goes to an AA meeting uh, their first time and they're like already skeptical, and then someone hands them a pamphlet. It's just not gonna work. It's like, well, I'm sleeping in a gutter. What's that? What good is this gonna do, man? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think that like that kind of culture building is important and. You're right. It's, it's because, like, uh, not to say that certain people are more easily catered to, but certain people have – some people have more obvious paths into coming into sort of like an ideology. And right. The idea that, like, I show up to a space like Brooklyn Commons, which is purportedly one of the major uh, social – like, left leftist spaces – in the city and like all of the events are like dust capital reading group and like or a seminar well, they have katie helper karaoke there once a month you know katie helper karaoke is yeah. like can be very very helpful they have one event a month that is nice <laughs> <laughs> right that's what i'm saying is that like a whole like a 120 seminar on like how to be like how to do better organizing if you don't have a master's thesis you feel in the lurch I went to, like, a pretty good fucking school for the classics and and I feel, like, expected to know a great deal more theory than I do. Exactly, Jack, because you don't have the master's thesis. Yeah, I've got to work on that. Yeah, (laughs) self-crit. Guys, uh, this has been a wild ride. We're we're pushing the edge here. Is there anything else we want to tackle before we wrap this up? I feel great. I think that I think we all come to the conclusion that the left is exactly the same thing as 4chan. I feel great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Something I did want to ask about. I mean, this is um, slightly might be getting slightly off topic, but we, we were talking about this last night about you know uh, with DSA and what they want to do and in, in, with the ballot. Lot with using different ballot lines, and uh, one of the criticisms they've got from the hard left is like, "Oh, you're just going to get sucked into the Democratic Party fold." Yeah, shut the fuck up, right? 
but just tell those people to shut the fuck up. Here's the problem. Okay, I actually want to address that immediately. The solution is incredibly simple. Those people care more about um, how politics feel on paper and whether it registers with their academic safety net way more than they care about winning everything. You're describing the group of fucking losers that for the past like 50 years have not been able to push this country left. I, that was overly harsh. What, what I mean to say is that, like, maybe it's time for new leadership and maybe it's time for the past generations to support people with good politics as opposed to – that's the thing I, I hate about going to a lot of, like, Verso books, book events is you have people talk about, like, theory for an hour and then somebody gets up in the audience and is like, help! I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what to join or what to fight for. And the person on stage who's pur purportedly supposed to be a leader is like, well, I mean, I'm not here to prescribe solutions. And <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like socialist improv. Uh, well, well, but the... Uh, something I need a suggestion from the audience. <laughs> people's war. I heard people's war. <laughs> well, it's just like... So I heard somebody come up, and w come up and was like, well, isn't it important to, like, get together with, like, Marxist-Leninists and also the Spartacists and just figure out who we're all going to get behind? And this fucking guy was like, yeah, so in the Soviet Union, there was the United Front, and then there was the popular front mm -hmm. and he didn't even define what either of those two things were I was like honestly I don't know what the difference is yeah, yeah. but he basically was like what you're describing as the popular front and it didn't work a hundred years ago on the other side of the planet and therefore it's not going to work for us so when you describe those kinds of people getting involved I say you had your turn it led to this and it's time to fucking move on you need to like show up to the party or you need to like go back to book club great well I'm on that note uh, boom the, one of the um, ideas that is being floated now I've uh, Bhaskar Sunkara at publisher of Jacobin and uh, co-chair together Yes, personal friend of Jack Smith. Oscar Sankara from middle school. Yes, <laughs> we haven't we haven't like spent. To be fair, you know I haven't spoken since. You were in the Young Socialist Club and uh, no, in yeah. middle school together. Uh, but he's talked about running for governor as a Republican, governor of New York. All right, <laughs> could happen. Wait, why? Unpack that for me. So he, you get a bunch <laughs> of, you get a combination of like. People like me who are independent, I'm registered, you know, New York's closed primaries. Uh, I'm registered as an independent. So you'd get people like me who are like leftist uh, independents and maybe some like Democrats or liberals who just want to fuck with the Republicans. You get them to change registration to Republican. And theoretically, you could have more people than support any one Republican candidate. So you would see a two person race between uh, Sankara or some other leftist and Cuomo in 2018. That sounds lucrative. Uh, <laughs> see, to see, so Boscar believes he can win the Republican ticket. He's talked about it. I don't know that he would, but it, it would be worth trying. You know, I think it might be a, a worthy. It'd be funny. Watch in that in that situation, liberals <laughs> would, would be legitimately funny. be like so confused. Yeah, and they would. But that's the no, one. they would just vote Dem. Folks, if you're listening, well, at you home, mean in the general election? But they, you would get. I think feel like you would get a decent amount of them to switch registration just to fuck with. I think their heads would fucking explode. Yeah. <laughs> Folks, if you're listening at home, please run for the Republican primary. This has been the Left Chess Podcast. Does anybody have anything they want to plug? Uh, follow me on Twitter, ACLU Official. What up? Jack, do you got anything coming up? Uh, No, not yet. 
Here's just on Mike.com. Just my next appearance on, on Left Chest. On so Left Chest. Talk we'll shit have about you back. Your next one is going to be the fourth appearance. <gasps> that would form. be the fourth. That'll appearance. be so special. Jackson with the fourth's appearance. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, I'll be sure to edit this so it just sounds like you're only saying the most inflammatory things at all times about like (laughs) about like the about like the people over the last 50 years that have like been struggling hard as fuck to defend the left i know i was like super hard on them and i do appreciate all like the contributions but yeah we need to yeah Uh, they're in the they're in the dumpster now andrews you got something coming up you're going to europe soon uh yes i will be in for all those well we do have some uh listeners in the uk they're out there baby they are i'm going to be in edinburgh this summer for the Free French Festival, going to be at the Golf Tavern every day uh, in August, save three days. And uh, it's going to be at noon every day, Golf Tavern. I'm also going to be in Chicago in July um, 1st through 14th or so. I'll post dates on Twitter, Facebook, etc. Leave us a four-star rating. Five, no, four, <laughs> don't leave us a four-star. You can. Please give us five stars. We deserve Between, it. Right. <laughs> give us five, and I'll also be in Chicago June 22nd to 25th. We'll talk about that. Wait, you, you're welcome to give us a four-star rating in Chicago you. in two weeks, too. Pe- hey. people oh, everyone but oh, me is going right. to be in I, Chicago. We're all moving to Chicago, and this is how we're breaking it to Alex. La-dee-da. <laughs> uh, just go run as Rep- Republican fucking I will be running governor. for Republican governor this year, but also come to our stand-up show on June 24th, Paid Protests. It's a fun for the DSA and keep listening to our goddamn podcast you bastards. I'll uh, see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.